Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If I could help you break in a baseball glove, which is one of my biggest YouTube videos ever, right. that's what I want to do. If I want to help you get over a heartbreak, that's what I want to do. If I want to talk about having a miscarriage, like me and my wife did after we had Penelope right in the middle, and how to deal with that as a man, that's what I want to talk about. If I want to talk about how to deal with hair loss, right? Mistakes that I made, things that I did that I shouldn't have done, that's what I want to talk about. So my biggest passion in everything is how can I use my life choice, Argon, to help the choices that I make, the wins, the losses, to help as many people as possible. Because I feel, other than spend the rest of my life with my wife and my watch my kids grow up and help them, I could die today and be the happiest guy in the world because I've lived life. Hmm. What's your podcast? The Coach HP Show. I love it. I appreciate you joining today. It's great to meet you finally. I know we've uh, it's been a little long time coming. I'm excited to be here in Miami with you. This is my first live show, and uh, I can't think of a better guest to be in Miami with. And uh, yeah, welcome to R4E. Dude, I, I I love this man. I I love this setup here. Our man tried to uh, audio is king. So I'm big on audio. I'm big on stuff. I'm 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 excited to be guest number fifteen. Uh, you came from what is it? You said uh, DC. Washington D.C. Yep. And uh, staying at the Four Seasons, which is beautiful. Have you stayed there before? I have. I love that. My parents treat me there, and I love that property. The That place is, is nice, man. The pool, the view. I think that's, I don't know if you noticed, but that's the highest, the tallest high-rise building in southeastern United, United States. Is it really? Yeah. I had no clue. It's no very clue. nice, man. It's very nice. Well, Coach, I know you're a, a Miami local now, and I'd love to jump into your story here momentarily. But as you know, all of my guests, I have them pick a walk-up song. And you're a baseball guy. I'm sure you have a handful in mind. But today, right now, what would be your walk-up song for R3 and Y? The first one that always comes up is God's Plan by Drake. Mm. You are uh, you are preaching to the choir here. I'm a huge Drake fan. I'm going to his concert at the end of the month. Uh, why, why is God's Plan your walk-up song? Because I feel that everything happens uh, for a reason. And there's no mistakes. And if you look at the trajectory of everything that happens in life, it's very interesting that... We're here right now. You're a guy that's that's that has a career, but you're doing this on the side. You got great support. You got pops here recording, pops here hanging out with. This is a tremendous vacation for you, I'm sure. It's a beautiful day. It's in the summer. The weather's awesome. So you can't home from D.C. sit down and go, okay, I want it this way and this way. Some things you can't control, right? But you're early. You're on time. We took care of everything. So I feel that there's God plan in, in everything you do. We talked earlier. I have incredible amount of failure in my past. That's what got me here. As I watch your previous episodes, right? To me, this there are certain people that are born to do this, right? And I love your answer of why you like doing this. Mm. And whether it's successful or not, I'm going to be 65 and I'll look back on it. Stuff like that you can't teach, man. You either have the right attitude or, or you're trying to 
catch a wave of something or pull numbers or catch an algorithm. And I think what you're doing is awesome, and I love it. Well, I appreciate you being here. I'm excited to jump into your story. Well, yeah, so we're in Miami recording live here, and uh, I know you, you are a, uh, a legend here, but walk us through how you got to Miami. I know for a while you uh, you were living down here before you went out to L.A., but maybe get the audience up to speed for those of you who don't know you. Give us a quick Coach HP in a nutshell, and then we can jump into your story. Let's do it. So I'm uh, from a little island called Cuba, which is 90, mi 90 miles south from here. I was born in Cuba, and from Cuba we went to Spain, to Madrid, because mm -hmm. at the time Castro wasn't allowing people to come uh, straight from Cuba. So you either came from majority of people or they came from, if unfortunately, if you didn't come through Raft, which that's the toughest one of all. You're either going through Spain, a lot of people came through Mexico, through Honduras, and I came to Spain, so I lived in Madrid for a little bit. Then I moved here to Miami. Um, the self-proclaimed, probably biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. Uh, I wish I would have been lucky to have a uh, a dad like you that's cool that you can talk to and stuff like that nobody prepared me more for life than my dad except he prepared me for everything except to deal with him so in that I learned so much my dad was the youngest of 15 kids his dad died when he was eight years old me and my dad have a lot of similarities in the work ethic and, and how we operate we have a lot of differences and I'm a people person knowing that I didn't have a lot to bring to the table, I always said, listen, I'm going to learn instinctually to invest in others and really learn with people about their story, what makes them special, what do they like, what are they interested interested in, what's the relationship, you know? And my dad wasn't like that. My dad was more of a, this is what we're going to do, then we're going to get out, then we're going to go home, and, and I'm more of that. I'm more of enjoying the moment. I'm more of celebrating today that we're here now. And that led to a lot of clashes between us, identity issues with me. I've always wanted to be somebody else because when you're getting abused physically, and I was through a sport, wasn't like through school or I was a delinquent or anything, but I wasn't successful in baseball, my dad would beat the shit out of me. Mm. So when you create that fear and that stuff and, and you're seeing that, man, I don't have a, there's nothing fun here. But I have incredible work ethic and I have this weird positivity about me that I don't know why, but the trauma that I that I got growing up, I used it to just become a positive guy for a weird reason. And I suffered <clears throat> identity issues. I always wanted to be somebody else. I never wanted to be myself. I always wanted to be somebody else. I was wetting the bed till at the age of 13, 14, which is crazy, and I didn't know why. But it was that, you know, this is a fear and that stuff. And everybody knew what was happening, including my mom. But they never stepped in and nobody stopped until I got to high school. And then then I grew to be 6'2". And then things changed a little bit. But till then, I dealt with that. And I always knew, I go, man, I would sit at the dinner table with my parents, my sister, me, my mom and dad. And I'd be like, I don't belong with these people. We're not talking about the same things. I have visions of doing this. I have dreams. I'm not even talking about that. The very old school, it was almost like, hey, you go to school, uh, get a degree, and that's it. So I'd always envisioned my life being different. And I failed incredibly in baseball. I tried to be somebody else. I tried to hit like Bryce Harper when I should have hit like guys like Christian Yelich. I, I was a contact guy, and I always wanted to swag. I wanted to be cool, and I was none of those things. So then, after failing in baseball, I played Division One after two years of, of taking a break. I walked onto a team here in Miami. Then when I finished, 
I said, you know what? I'm going to act. And I saved up everything I could. And I grabbed the 2006 Toyota Corolla. And I took from here, I took the Turnpike North. Then I took the I-10 all the way to Los Angeles. And I lived in a car for six months. I would shower and shave at the Equinox on Sunset Plaza. And I got a one-month tanning supply at Sunset Tan. So I looked like a hundred bucks, you know, like a million bucks if you saw me, but nobody knew I was living in a car. And ironically, and this is the irony of this, there's a, I was with Wilhelmina, the modeling agency. Wilhelmina had a division there in Los Angeles. And when I, when I signed on with them, they gave me a flyer of a guy named Gary Austin. And they're like, you got to take uh, acting classes with this guy. And I was like, cool. And when I read it, it says, when Helen Hunt won her Academy Award for As Good As It Gets, she thanked him. So I oh, this guy has to be good. So when I go to this guy's class after six months of being in my car, I realize that the minute I walked in there, this guy had created something called the Groundlings. You ever heard of the Groundlings? Uh, only from research and you ahead of this uh, discussion, but I'd love to learn more. So you know what improvisational acting is? Yeah, of course. So improv, comedy, improv acting. Improv, the people that made it famous was uh, Second City in Chicago. Mm. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Belushi, all those guys came out of that group. Then that guy left uh, to San Francisco and they formed the committee, which was like the West Coast version of that. Gary leaves that group, goes to Los Angeles and forms the Groundlings. So he creates an example of the character of Pee Wee Herman. That's him. Lisa Kudrow, Wolf Farrell, Phil Hartman, all that group of actors come out of uh, the Groundlings. This guy creates the Groundlings. I'm sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, and he does his first talking thing, <clears throat> this is the first person I pretty much talked to in six months living in a car. He's wearing a retro Houston Astros baseball jacket. And he does a baseball analogy. Mm. So I go, this has to be a sign. And I raise my hand, and I go, Professor... I absolutely right. I'm a baseball player. I used to play baseball. This, this, and that. And I moved in with his wife and his four snow dogs. And talk about four seasons. That was the dirtiest house <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. But to me, it was a four seasons because I just finally had a place to sleep that wasn't a car. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling him at the beginning, Arjun, I go, if, because he goes immediately, he goes, dude, you got to stay in my house. I go, Professor, let's do this, dude. Let me stay in your driveway. Let me park in your driveway because at least I know I'll be safe. And don't worry about that because I need time because I've always been a guy that I don't want to take anything for granted. You know, like I don't want to feel like entitled or whatever. And I wanted that. to learn that moment, you know, enjoy that. So, dude, that's how that started. And I spent six years in Los Angeles and I became a celebrity baseball coach working with celebrities and helping them with their kids and the mistakes that they're making. And a lot of the principles that I taught them was what my dad was, uh, stuff that my dad taught me. So I did that for six years. And then after that, I moved to a little town called Las Vegas. And I became, in a four-year run, the most popular guy there that didn't own a nightclub, mm. right? There wasn't a nightclub owner or a hospitality group owner. And that changed my whole life. I did that for four years. And the man upstairs, I felt, was talking to me, telling me that the legend's not going to die in a Las Vegas nightclub. I started off as a, a, a promoter, bringing girls to the club. And I ended up uh, as vice president of customer development. And then, I, ironically, the president and CEO of MGM International, Jim Muir, pulled me out of the club. He put me in the casino world to be a casino executive. 
and I thought I was gonna, I actually thought I was gonna be a host, and be a president of a hotel in Cuba, because he kind of told me, dude, you, you have all the skills in the world to, to do that. And he's a Maryland guy, and he pulled me out of there, and it was the worst decision I ever made in my life, because the club was the best for me, in the, in the corporate world, too many rules, no good for me. And, but the love of my life was my wife, I went to high school with, but I never spoke to her. We reconnected, I threw her best friend's bachelorette party. That changed my whole life. I came back to Miami, a place I never thought I'd come back to again. And I came back to here, it was eight years ago. And then probably in 2020, I started the most positive show on the internet, the Coach HP show. And the rest is history, man. Is that a good intro or what? What do you think I Ready to go. What do you think I have, I'm Pops? fired up now. Huh? I'm fired up. Come on. So, Coach, you, uh, you're you the most positive guy on the Internet. And uh, that's how I came across your content. I know that's how many others have. That's how, where a lot of the intersection of our connections have found you. And uh, and I'm excited to share with my audience your story some more. And so take I want to take a step back to your time in L.A. in the improv class. You saw the guy wearing the Houston Astros retro jersey. Great jerseys, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned you thought it was a sign, an omen from the universe. Are you big into that sort of stuff, or was that just a... I'm big into everything. Everybody that I've looked up to, I've ran into. Hmm. Everybody, here, here's a great story. So my whole life, especially when I had hair, I was compared to an actor by the name of Stephen Bowers. Stephen Bowers, Manolo, and Scarface. Right. So, you seen Scarface? Honestly, I haven't. You? I, I know, I failed as a dad. What? <laughs> oh, no. This has changed this whole podcast, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. You know who's a star of Scarface? You know anything about Scarface? I, I know the stills of the frames and the memes and stuff, but I've never actually you, seen the movie. Okay, so but I, you know who the star of Scarface is? Uh, I know his. I know his face. I don't know. I can't think. Of his okay. Name. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> we gotta. Okay. Let's talk about this. You're in Miami. Far away. You're interviewing a Cuban, and this is huge. Okay. So, <laughs> let's talk for a second. So, Oliver Stone. You know who Oliver Stone. Is? I know Oliver Stone. Okay. Yeah. Oliver Stone, not only being a tremendous director, but he's a tremendous writer also. So Oliver Stone writes this story, okay, about a Cuban immigrant that comes from Cuba to Miami to pursue the American dream. In the 80s, especially here in Miami with the cocaine cowboys, you heard of that? Right, yeah. With all that stuff. See, this is Netflix. This is a problem. This is Netflix society. That's what we've got to, we've got to help them. So there was this huge influx of Latin American, Cubans, Colombians, that came here to Miami, like the Miami Vice years and stuff, and just went crazy here. Mm -hmm. Like literally so much money and so much drugs, women, cars, like it is what everybody aspired to. So if you were a Cuban that came here, you went two ways. Either you went the straight way, because the one, the one good thing about, the only good thing probably about the, the horrible communist system that Cuba had was that you would have education. Probably the only, so you either go to school because you were educated or you became a drug dealer. Those were the two ways, unless you were an athlete or something like that, or a singer or an entertainer. So Oliver Stone writes this thing, writes this script to get over his cocaine addiction, mm. okay? The enormous amount of cocaine in this movie is insane, right? And it's probably the, the movie that has the word fuck used the most ever, okay? So he comes and he writes this script. When he writes the script, he... His favorite football players, what am I going to name the main character? So his favorite football player is Joe Montana. Okay. So he named, puts the last name Montana. Tony right? Montana, yeah. Which is, which is, you've never heard of a Cuban name, Montana, right? That's how you say it, that's right? Montana. But it's Montana. And then he names him Tony Montonio Montana. So Tony Montana is the character, right? Interesting. 
That character is created so he casts an Italian guy who had never played anything like that before named Al Pacino. So Al Pacino comes and gets casted in this thing. I'm going to take up this whole time because you're going to love this, buddy. Your listeners are going to love this one. I'm ready to go. So he comes in and they've casted Al Pacino already in this movie. Okay? <clears throat> Marty Berkman is the producer of the movie. Marty Berkman through the years, and remember... Al Pacino had already done Godfather. He was a huge star. Part one, part two, huge star. Serpico, a million things. He became Al Pacino's manager. So Al Pacino and then boom. And the role of Manolo, which is his best friend, he wanted to cast an Irish guy who was his best friend in the movie who they did a, a famous play called How to, I think a tiger wears a necktie or something like that in Broadway. And there's like, there's no way you're going to pull off a Cuban, like, Irish-looking guy to be his best friend. So my buddy, whose real name is Manolo Echevarria, okay, I'm sorry, Esteban Echevarria, changed it to Stephen Bauer. He did a show here in Miami called Que Pasa USA, which is a Spanglish show, which is super famous. Andy Garcia got his first break there. This is a hilarious show. It's a Spanglish show, okay? okay? This dude goes to the University of Miami. When he's in the University of Miami, he pulls a centerfold of Playboy, and it's Don Johnson and Melanie Griffin. He doesn't talk about if you know the universe or not. He doesn't know anybody, but he tells his dad, he goes, listen, when I grow up, I want a woman like Melanie Griffin. Okay, this is Stephen Bauer. Okay, so he says that, right? Fast forward, they're here. He had done a couple things. He had studied with Stella Adler. You know who Stella Adler is? Stella Adler became famous because she trained an actor in the in the what's called the method acting named Marlon Brando. You know what that is? So after Marlon Brando, everybody wanted to act like Marlon Brando. Mm. All the actors imitated him. He was the guy, the way he looked, whatever. She formed a studio called the Actor Studio in New York that was like insane following a Russian uh, way of acting that you had to go to places, like literally, to show acting. So if I'm pumped, now I have to think of a time that I'm pumped yeah. so I could be pumped, right? That's, how, that's the whole method. She saw Stephen Bauer and thought he was a second coming because he's like me, six foot two, he's a good looking guy, tremendous actor, like a beast. So he comes and a casting director goes, I'm going to put you for a role called Scarface Man. Okay? Stephen goes on his first casting thing, he gets casted for a movie in Los Angeles with three women. It's an army movie, there's three women, and he's like the love interest. The first one was Susan Saranda. I forgot who the second one was, and the third one was Melanie Griffin. Wow. When Melanie Griffin saw him, the minute she saw him, because Melanie Griffin was like the Lindsay Lohan of our time, you know, very loose, very there. The minute she saw him goes, that's my guy. Hooked up with him, whatever. They formed a super long relation. Okay. Okay, this is Melanie Griffin in her prime, right? They're hooking up, they're having a great time, whatever. He wants to get cast in this movie called Scarface. So they go to New York, flies to New York. He meets the casting director. The casting director, she's literally vacuuming her, her, her living apartment in New York. He walks in and she goes, oh my God, you're perfect. Are you Cuban? She's like, yeah, I'm Cuban. This is perfect. You know Spanish? Yeah, I know Spanish. This is perfect. Don't worry about it. I'm going to bring Marty in. We're going to talk. This is perfect. Perfect. Two weeks pass, in comes Stephen Bauer. Marty Bergman comes in. He goes, oh, my God, you're perfect. Do you know Spanish? Yeah, I'm Spanish. You're Cuban? Oh, even this is perfect. This is awesome. 
you're going to be in this movie, whatever. He leaves. Probably six months past, nothing with Scarface. He gets casted, Steven gets casted to be the, like, Babe Ruth of the Navajo world, of the Indian world, like a Geronimo kind of guy, whatever. Serious part, big part for him. He keeps calling Marty Burke. He goes, look, Marty, I'm, I'm I have to take this movie. It's been six months. You know, I haven't heard anything. He goes to him, you know how many people are going to watch a little Indian movie, bro? Very few. You know how many people are going to watch a Scarface movie? The world. Okay? He goes, okay. I haven't met Al yet. I don't know what's going on. He goes, I got to work on Al. Because Al was like, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be my boy. My boy. And they already hired Brian De Palma to be the director. They already had Melanie Griffin, Melanie Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer, to be the, the lady, right? So Michelle Pfeiffer's in the movie too. So the first meeting between Al Pacino and Steven Bauer comes together. It's literally in the room, and this is like superstars, bro. It's literally, you're Al, I'm Steven Bauer, who had changed his name now to be more Americanized, whatever. Marty Berkman, Brian De Palma, and Oliver Stone. Okay. All three there, and they're here talking. And it's the scene where, you'll probably remember this, the scene where Omar, who's a, who's like the, 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 there's a Frank guy who's the Miami boss. Omar is like his, his right guy, right hand man, that they do their first little job for Omar, where they're literally becoming from bus boys to their first drug move. Okay, here in Miami. And they're making fun of Omar, whatever, whatever. And the minute they started talking, they clicked right mm -hmm. away. Right then and there, I learned something very special that that it shows how Pacino thinks. Pacino goes to them. Hold on one second. He grabbed Stephen, and they went back there, and they talked about the process. He goes, "Don't let these people know what's going on. Let them see the magic. Me and you are gonna talk shit about this. Talk shit about this Omar. This Omar's a piece of shit. He doesn't want to help us. He's jealous of us because we're this, we're that." And that's how they acted, and they did Scarface. So now, Al Pacino knew nothing about being Cuban. Right. So Al rented a house. Melanie lived in Malibu. Al rented a house in Malibu. And every morning, Stephen would go to Al's house and would teach him about the Cuban situation, the embargo, what it's like to be a Cuban immigrant, what's it like to speak Cuban Spanglish, what is the accent like? Whatever. So when you see Pacino say school in Spanish, we put in the Spanglish world, you put the E in front of every S. Right. So instead of saying school, you say a cool. And instead of saying stop sign, you say a top sign. Ah, I'm a top sign. A top sign. Right? Mm -hmm. And you hear that, and he's the one that taught Pacino to speak. It's that word that you say. What's up, man? Uh, come on. I bury those cockroaches. What they ever do for us? Huh? What, you think you're the bad guy? You're not the bad guy. All that stuff, that accent was Stephen Bauer. Why I tell you all this? I do a movie here in Miami with a guy named Ariel Ramos. He, unbeknownst to me, when I go to Los Angeles, he did a movie with Stephen Bauer in it. We're at a club in Los Angeles. He meets him. I meet Stephen Bauer. Stephen Bauer could have been the greatest actor of all time. Fortunately, my man had a little drug addiction that changed his whole life, his whole thing. I meet Steven, we hit it off very well. He ends up living with me after I got out of my car or whatever, I had a studio, I had a studio in Studio City and an air mattress for three months. Hmm. And I would recite Scarface in high school. That was like the cool thing to do. Put it uh, probably 
13 years after I'm reciting Scarface lines with Stephen Bauer, who is in Scarface. So we're literally getting dressed, going my first time to the Playboy Mansion was it? Because he was a huge star. Right? Everybody right. saw Scarface. But he would just live off Scarface. You know, like yeah, yeah. that was his thing. And we would recite lines, me and him, like I used to do with high school people or whatever. Everybody I've liked or I've looked up to, I've crossed or will cross in my life. So there's no coincidence. Coach, that was uh, that was awesome. I'm fired up. I I, I know my dad's laughing uh, off camera here. He's told me I need to watch Scarface time and time again. And really? I think that's what I have to download for the flight home. Uh, <laughs> no, you gotta watch it together. All right, that's the flight. You the have to watch it together in the room. You gotta try to find a way to do it. But you gotta or off the a laptop. But you gotta do that. I'll text you afterward. It, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch that. But it, I can tell you're just passionate about acting, film, cinema. You have so many hobbies, so many things you care about. How do you? spread the wealth and, and how do you kind of allocate your time across baseball content movies and, and let me tell you a mistake i made so here's a funny story <clears throat> steven took me one time to watch uh there's his actor named victor victor ben victor okay and he was doing a play in uh, north hollywood and i went with steven there and steven was watching the play and he was crying emotionally in the middle of the play and i was like what's this dude crying about he was really feeling that. Like he was really feeling what he was seeing. And right then and there, I realized, I go, I'm not an actor. What I want out of acting is something different. I'm not an actor. This guy's an actor. This guy cares about the process. He cares about the, the dialogue. He cares about expressing what the writer cares. I could care less about that. So my thing with Hollywood was what I wanted out of Hollywood was this that this era has brought now. It's this that this content world has brought now, which is I wanna help as many people as I can as possible. So now, what does that mean? So that means if I could help you break in a baseball glove, which is one of my biggest YouTube videos ever, right. that's what I wanna do. If I wanna help you get over a heartbreak, that's what I wanna do. If I wanna talk about having a miscarriage, like me and my wife did after we had Penelope right in the middle, and how to deal with that as a man, that's what I want to talk about. If I want to talk about how to deal with hair loss, right? Mistakes that I made, things that I did that I shouldn't have done. That's what I want to talk about. So my biggest passion in everything is how can I use my life choice, Argon, to help the choices that I make, the wins, the losses, to help as many people as possible. Because I feel other than spend the rest of my life with my wife and my watch my kids grow up and help them. I could die today and be the happiest guy in the world because I've lived life mm. amazingly. You know, at your age, at 26, I is when I slept in a car for six months and that changed the trajectory of everything in my life. So I'm so happy with the way everything turned out that there is no there's no regret on anything. There's just the opportunity of what this era brings us that even you yourself, you're realizing, man, episode 15, I'm very different than episode 12. Right. After with me, you're going to be like, oh my God, I can be even more loose and I can be even more of this because none of this fucking matters. The only thing that matters here is effort and attitude mm -hmm. and that we enjoy this moment. You're like, you know what? I'm going to use this. This is a sign. This dude came and he's on my show. We're talking, but this is a sign that I got to go to 100. I'm going to go to 100, I'm going to go to 200, you know? So I'm passionate about everything that has to do with helping people, living life, understanding you don't compare yourself to anybody else. And just being happy and understanding that the biggest measurement of happiness that there is, 
is the process of achieving a goal. That journey, mm -hmm. that's happiness. Because once you get there, then you're gonna wanna achieve something else. You know, which is difficult. Got to make sure I stay in frame here with the green screen that you put us here. No man. worries. I know Mike always talks about it on his show, and I know you guys talked about it this one. You were on YNK, and, and you had him on your show, but it's the Wayne Dyer quote of detaching from the results, enjoying, uh, enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. How have you? I know you've gone through your hardships. At what point was there a specific point in time where you realized, like, hey, I have to be more present. I have to be in the moment, enjoy the moment, or is this just of your? 40 years of living that got you here. What, what was there? Was there a specific time that you locked in on that uh, philosophy? I've always had it. I've always, every single time I've, I, I've always had it. And you mentioned Wayne Dyer. I, I, for some crazy reason, I started watching Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And I was like, man, I like the colors. I was with the colors and she's on these oak trees and stuff. And that kind of got me. And I didn't know who any of these people, obviously everybody knows who Oprah is, but I don't know who Wayne Dyer is. And then he had a book and I downloaded the audio book and it was very similar to stuff that I was noticing, you know, he was a teacher for a real long time and he got pushed out of something. I was like, man, I was a coach. I never, never liked, like I like baseball, but I'm not obsessed with it. But I find myself the ability to help coach little kids and be able to get them disciplined. And how, why is the most disciplined guy, the most loved coach and the kids adore me. So all this stuff I started to put together. And then when I was in the nightclub, I really enjoyed teaching my success to people. I'll never forget. My first, so I, I become like the like the guy, you know, I'm like the guy with the highest sales thing. Like I have this huge momentum behind me that I'm kicking ass because when I got to Vegas, the two guys that were in front of me were huge in the sense you have a, you have a lead host. Mm -hmm. Shout out to my man Dave Roberts who had been there forever, and you had the 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 director of uh, VIP services, a host that brings now the clients, right? My man, uh, shout out to Greg Costello, and these guys had been there forever, so they were. In a sense, they were set. New club in the Bellagio, they just pretty much met the casino host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The casino hosts will bring them their big clients. When you when you play in Vegas, you get everything gets comped at a certain thing at that time, right? So I came in and I was like, man, how am I gonna win? And we talked about it's very interesting about when I got to Vegas, I was in the best shape of my life. I was shredded, I had a six-pack veins in my stomach. I wasn't eating, I looked like a model. But I ran into a guy. So I used to give baseball lessons to a guy, but have you ever heard Brett Ratner is? Sounds familiar, yeah. Brett Ratner created, a, directed Rush Hour 1, 2, 3, huge, huge, huge in the, in, the, in the Hollywood world. I worked with his little brother, and uh, who's super young. Shout out to his mom, Marcia. So Brett's Juban. He's Jewish Cuban. <laughs> and, uh, and when I, and she introduced me to a friend of his, a financial guy named Ron Ray, 
who had been there, Indian guy who's super successful, lived in a car too when he was there. And he goes to me, he goes, listen, dude, you see this look you got going on, all this flash and everything? He goes, you're going to hook up with every girl in town. That's easy. But you're never going to go anywhere. And I was like, why? He goes, because everybody's going to see you as competition. Hmm. Right? He goes, if I were you, I would wear a suit and tie, and I would change this whole, like, tight shirt thing and this whole thing you got going on. And I go to myself, I go, brody, I haven't eaten bread in, like, six months. I haven't, I haven't eaten any. I'm like literally everything I'm counting is, I'm going to hide all this under suit. You got to be crazy. But I was like, that's interesting. He told me that. We never forget. We met at the Lux Hotel in the, in the Venetian, at the, at the Lux Bar in the Venetian. Mm -hmm. And then I was hooking up with this girl in Los Angeles before I, I moved after that. And in her bathroom, she had a book of Cuba. I don't know why she had this book. But it was the history of Cuba, and it was all about Castro and Che Guevara stuff, two characters that we completely fucking hate. But when I saw that, I was looking at the pages of the book, and I noticed that Castro, while playing golf, was dressed in his army fatigues. And I thought, that's interesting. Hmm. Why would this dude play golf in army fatigues? And to myself, I came up with, because Castro wanted to let you know that at any moment he would go to war you know, at any time. So he could be playing golf and the minute something looked crazy, he's already dressed, ready to go. So I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to listen to this guy's thing. And I went to the Boulevard Mall there. Shout out to my man Dove, who owns Sushia there in Santa Plaza. And he got me two suits, or like $50 suits. And I, and I got them so tailored to my body. It looked like I was a model. And about one Tom Ford tie, and I bought these $50 shoes, all 50-50 thing at the Boulevard Mall there. And I made a go. I go, I'm going to wear a suit and tie every single day. Now, Hyde is a, is a spot that sits in the fountains of the Bellagio, but it was open as a lounge every day. So it would be a nightclub. Tuesday was an industry night, so Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. Those three nights was a nightclub after 10 o'clock, before it was a lounge. So I made a goal. That every single day I was going to wear a suit and tie. Not a suit with the, it open or a suit and tie every single day for a year. Positive momentum took me to a year and a half. I couldn't stop. And I went to hide every single day for a year and a half. And that's how I became the most popular person that didn't know in Las Vegas nightclub. To the point that I used to take, did you go to private school? I did not, know. So I went to public school here in Miami. And I used to take the yellow bus, even my senior year in high school, which is which is an L. When you come from like middle 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 class, I think it's an L to take. You have a car in high school? Uh, I did. My parents bust me with a car. Yeah, yeah, you're lucky. So I did it. So I took the yellow bus, and my senior, my mom took, which is the most embarrassing thing in the world, right? Not compared to not having water and stuff like that. But we're course, talking about relative. American problems. Yeah. And I had at a time the highest theoretical player in Vegas. You know what theoretical players? I don't think so. You know what theoretical players? No. Okay. You're a gambler? You ever gamble? No. You gamble? I've played, but not. What do you play? I play blackjack and roulette. Okay. Let's talk roulette. All right. So this dude, my man from Peru who owns casinos and he leather suit, he's the highest theoretical player in Vegas. So Vegas rates you not on how much money you have, but theoretical play. So theoretical play is the amount you play. Okay? The amount you play. So the average hand. Right. Times how long you sit at the table. Okay. So the higher you play, and the higher you sit there, 
is how Vegas rewards you. Mm. They give you your comps and they rate you as a player. So I have number one. So that means everywhere we go, free tickets, everything's comp by MGM. I got to see Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao I got to see all of Mayweather fights, Mayweather, Canelo, also. I'm sitting in the front there, whatever. This dude's average hand at roulette was 335000 a spin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 335000 a spin, and, and that's where I'm at. So when these people win, right, because they all have lines of credit, when they win, you have chips here. And you for hanging out with me, Arjun. I'm here. I just won 330000 What's them to give two chips of 10 Gs to you there? Right. That's Vegas. So why'd you leave? Why'd you come to Miami? Because a man upstairs, like I said in the beginning, the man upstairs started talking to me. And there was a lady talking about faith and talking about stuff. There's a lady by the name of Angelica Garcia, Mexican lady, who was a reborn Christian, very, very uh, religious. And she goes to me, listen, Cubanito, which is Cuban dude, Spanish. You think, you think you're going to be here in Vegas for an hour in heaven? He goes, she goes, you're going to end up working with kids. Hmm. I go, Angelica, you have to be crazy. If I'm ever, I literally told her this, if I'm ever going to leave Vegas, you have to be crazy. I am never leaving this ever, 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 ever. But the reason why I left is because I felt the man upstairs talking to me, telling me the legend's not going to die in a Las Vegas nightclub. There's more you got to do. There's more you can do. And I had literally everything I wanted, I had achieved already. Flying private to places. I spent times in Europe, opening clubs, giving people, uh, being a consultant on clubs in Ibiza, in Greece, in Montenegro, just everywhere, man. And I'm lucky I don't drink or I've never done drugs before. Mm -hmm. So I'm super present, super stuff. But the biggest sign of them all was meeting my wife. And when I saw her, and I felt this. I go, oh, this, this is this is something different, and that's why I came back here to Miami. Wow! And then, how'd you and your wife meet? Was that while you were in Vegas, or was that after you listened to the big man upstairs and came down? To Miami? No, we met. We went to high school together. Oh wow! I saw her one time, and she kind of smiled at me. But since I had nothing going on, I go, there's no way I got a shot with this Which, chick. You're taking the yellow bus, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, this, when you got a ten, a ten ain't hooking up with a jello, with a yellow with a yellow bus unless you have like. So much swag and so much freedom. I had none of that, man. I didn't have any freedom, and I could barely have swag and I have cool clothes. My dad had me. I was doing baseball 24-7. So I saw her, and I was like, ah. But then I had some success there, and uh, an interesting thing happened to me in Los Angeles where I gained national attention, and my Facebook just blew up incredibly, mm. and her face popped up. Facebook used to have a feature of people you should know. Right. And I saw her. We're the same age. I go, wow, this girl really, really held up. She's gorgeous. I'm with the same age. Usually that doesn't happen. <laughs> so I hit her up. We went on a date. Best first date of my life. I felt like I was talking to her. I felt like that was just, like, she's like my life. When I was sitting there with this woman, I felt like this is like my life. Best first date ever. We were super affectionate. It wasn't a sexual thing. It was just like a familiarity thing. It was just crazy, man. I did that. I was living in Los Angeles. I go, there's no way I'm going to move to uh, Miami for her. It's before the, the Vegas thing. Mm -hmm. And I kept in touch with her. She goes, I'm not going to settle down with a Vegas guy. She was right, like, right. living her life. So she left with, with an L.A. guy. And I kept in touch with everybody. I was super friendly. I go, listen, if you're ever in Vegas, 
I'll take care of you, whatever, whatever. And four years after that, she reached out to me to throw her best friend's bachelorette party at Hyde in the Bellagio. And I did it, and the rest is history, man. This is, uh, I mean, the impetus for a reason for everything. Everything happens for a reason. Even if that's all that your amazing life amounts to be, the fact that you had to go through all those jumps and loops to be at the Hyde just to meet your wife and have your beautiful Yes, kids. sir. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So at, I guess... Yeah, just unbelievable. So I, w- I want to know more about that first date that was magical. I'm, I'm single. I'm m- meeting people, mm-hmm. trying to figure out my life. <clears throat> what was that amazing first date like? Well, first of all, my, my thing is, my thing, and my wife always gives me a hard time, because my thing was women. So I, I used women to position myself probably the wrong way, because that's the only, it was almost like that's the only superpower I felt I had, right? Mm-hmm. I felt I had looks a certain way. I could carry myself away. I really didn't care about women, and women find that incredibly attractive when when you do that. You know, there was this thing with with my wife that when you get a little older, almost to your age already, you really realize and you have your heart broken, and you understand. You really realize how to navigate through women, and I I hadn't in, in Los Angeles. I had started to date. A couple, I hang out with a couple famous women. And in Vegas, that really took it to a next level because I was almost like a famous person because I had so much access and I had everything. And I had all the toys to play with that people who were famous had. So you learn at the beginning, you're impressed. Like, oh, look, this is this. But at some point, she's the same person like all of us. Right. And with my wife, she's Cuban. I never wanted to be with a Cuban. I never wanted to be with a Cuban because I felt like they knew the playbook. <laughs> You know, and, and I always wanted to be with, like, an American girl because I wanted to be, like, Ricky Ricardo and have a white chick that I conquer America through the girl. And, but it was different. And what I knew was, I knew I had somebody that I was, ex- to me, because the thing to find somebody, Argon, is it has to be with what works for you. Because I went a thousand percent with the hottest girl I can find that then had these and these qualities that I saw in it. Some people settle, some people that I know settled with twos and they cheat on them all the time and the two deals with it, with that situation, that's their situation. But I felt that, oh man, I don't wanna get divorced. I don't wanna uh, have my kids raised by some other dude. I don't want this thing. If I'm gonna go all in, and I got lucky, man. I got married at 37, which is a pretty good age. After living, after living Miami, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, that's a great age to, to to settle down with somebody, you know? So it was just a feeling of familiarity. And it just, she just did it for me in everything that I needed. Now, I've interviewed, I had on my show Patrick by David. You know who that is? Uh, I love Patrick, yeah. So Patrick, he came and he got his chick, because that dude's like like a brain. And he there's this book that asked like, I don't know, it was like a hundred questions or a thousand questions, but he asked her, he literally pre-qualified every single one of his girls or his chick and his wife now he'd be qualified like during this age we're gonna have kids and like he's really did that way you know but i've never operated that way i've operated more of universe life is what it is i'm gonna go with it. not that guy that guy's operating even though he follows now he's he, he was atheist for a while but he's so calculated so smart and like a numbers age, so i'm not that smart i'm not that calculative you know i just follow the flow of things and whatever but he asked the right click there's there's we talked about is a huge thing on that which i would recommend that route for everybody don't do what i did so i went on a gut instinct you know and, and it turned out for me phenomenally 
and I haven't even the Coach HP version of me. The only regret I have in my life is that I wish my wife would have met me during the Vegas years because we would have enjoyed that tremendously. Mm. The Coach HP years now with the show and now with kids, there's a lot of challenges that come with that that I didn't have before that I'm right there. There's there's me blowing up and I'm like right here on it. And there's a lot of tough things I had to do. And we talked about doing podcasts and, and going. My I became had a viral clip that did very well because I my my wife had a C section, Penelope was born and a week after I took a I went to Oregon State to speak to the national champs. Right. You know? A lot of people don't do that. For free. A lot of people don't do that. I did it because I felt like this is my thing and that has put me in a place where it has separated me, I feel, from everybody else. You mentioned the the hardships and struggles that have come with Coach HP show. Um, you've had some unbelievable guests on from Patrick has mentioned to Erica from Barstool and uh, even 2024 presidential candidate Mayor Suarez. Yes. I know you're a big networking guy. How do you maintain this massive Rolodex of individuals that you've stayed close with over the years? How are you able to um, get connected with these folks that you don't know in the first place and maintain those relationships in this crazy world of constant connectivity? Because I understand what <clears throat> I understand what I think people need. I'll give you a perfect this is, a, this is an awesome one that I thought of this. You know you know who Eric Decker is? Eric? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. I'm here and I'm interviewing I go to the Jake Paul fight and Pops, there's so many stories that lead to this man that is like that is that is crazy, you know. I one of the biggest guys on ESPN. It's, 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 I have to go back to go back to go back to back. I become the first plan. influencer. I become the first influencer to sign with Rawlings. So I sign with Rawlings. I convince Rawlings to go to to let me go to New York and interview the All Stars, the Gold Glove Award winners. So I'm interviewing everybody there. And I interview this big guy at ESPN. And he goes, dude, I love what you did, man. I would love to talk to you about content and social media and stuff like that. You can help me out. I go, uh, absolutely. So we meet in Miami. And when we meet in Miami, I come and we have uh, breakfast together. And I tell him everything. I lay out everything, blah, blah. And in front of me, he goes, he goes, how about I get you to do what you did for Rawlings for ESPN at the winter meetings? I was like, oh, my God. That's it. I'm in. He goes, let me show you how I roll. He puts up his cell phone and calls the general manager of ESPN and in my brain outside I'm sitting like this and in my head I'm like please pick up the phone please pick up the phone because I know how this works everybody's like yeah and then they don't do anything the guy didn't pick up the phone long story short that guy didn't do anything just bullshitted me whatever whatever nothing right but there was something positive out of that and the positive thing was that he said I could do it hmm. so then I called my boy who had trained his kid Right? Because everything leads to helping and giving. That I was trained as a kid, and he was the president of the Orange Bowl Committee. And I go to my man, Jose. I go, listen, dude, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to give me access so I could interview people at the Orange Bowl. It was, uh, it was Virginia Tech versus Florida, bro. Mm. And I interviewed two uh, celebrities or, or celebrity athletes from their side. I interviewed... Coach Steve Spurrier, not professional. I just went and hunted people down and I asked them stuff. And then I interviewed Tiki Barber. Wow. Okay, and I interviewed both with her. And then I'm walking there, and then who's walking by when I see there? Dan fucking Marino. Bro. Wow. 
And for us Cubans, Dan Marino, bro, here in Miami, that's the guy. And I pulled up there on Dan, and I go, hey, Dan, let me ask you a question real quick, man, for Capital One, yeah, for the Orange Bowl, whatever. And I confuse him, and I, and I ask him questions about his dad and stuff. So I interviewed Dan Marino, right? And then I said to myself, oh, I can do anybody. I can do anybody. And I have no journalistic background, but my intention, my vibe were so good. And I talked to Dan about his dad. I got, and he's like, man, my dad, man, he's no longer with us, but he just taught me this, 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 and that. And I was like, I got it, right? So... We put all this together, and I'm going to places. I become obsessed with going to places and interview people and people. And then I, I get Jake Paul versus Anderson Gibb hmm. right here in Miami. And I get, and I go, oh, there's Logan Paul. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview Logan Paul. So right before I interview Logan Paul, is this skinny white dude that comes in with a guy with a zone jacket. And he's sitting here. And he gets Logan Paul in front of me. He starts interviewing in front of me. And I'm with my recorder camera and I'm watching him. And I'm recording and I'm watching him talk to Logan Paul. He's like, yeah, Logan, you don't know me, man. I'm Eric. I used to do this, this, this and that. And I did this YouTube, that YouTube, whatever. And then Logan actually literally stopped and go, okay, I think I've heard of you, man. Did you do this and that? He's like, yeah. He goes, okay, let me see your stuff or whatever. And I was watching him, but I felt like he made Logan wait. In that crazy thing, if, if I'm going to stop and go, oh, you know, oh my God, man, I'm a fan of your show, man, I would listen. You got to have everything like this. I, I'm not going to make you pull out your phone to go right, to notes. Right. And I felt he did that. And I was like, oh, man, you had him, whatever. So Logan leaves. I grab Eric after, and I go, man, let me tell you something, dude. I know that wasn't the outcome you wanted, but you're going to be very successful in this. Keep doing what you're doing. I would do this differently. Have your information already. I had not seen his content that. I hadn't seen anything of his thing. Nothing, right? So I told him that. I had him on my show. At the time, this dude had 1,700 subscribers. 1,700 subscribers. At the time I have him on my show, he had gone up to maybe 10,000 or maybe maybe 20,000, whatever. I start seeing his stuff. The kid's a genius. He does this whole thing where he buys Logan Paul's uh, couch that he was selling this whole blah, 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 blah. Long story short, A-Rack, Eric Decker right now has 13 million. 13 million on YouTube. Like this with Mr. Beast. Blah, blah. So my networking has been, how can I help you with what I know. And some people are super cool about it. Some people are not. But I reach out to everybody. And I try to help connect dots as best as possible. If I knew somebody at the Four Seasons, I'd be like, bro, you got to check out this. Right. If I know somebody, if you're going to go to an Orioles game, I go, bro, let me reach out to, to Adley so you can say what's up to him, man. You know who Adley Rushman is? Yeah. Right? When I spoke at Oregon State, I don't know if you saw that on one of my clips. Mm -hmm. He's like, I didn't know who he was, but he's right there, and he raised his hand. Coach, mindset, coach this, that. It was Ali Rushman. See what I'm saying? When I interviewed Jackson Holiday, you know who that is, right? The two number one overall picks of the last, of 2019 and 2022. I didn't know who Jackson was. I didn't know he was, first of all, I didn't know he was Matt's son. And number two, he didn't have the hype that all these other people had. But I don't go for the hype. It's very easy to everybody to love Logan Paul. Well, what if you love Logan Paul when he's Ohio Logan Paul? Right. You know what I'm saying? So my biggest thing was and is that. Mm. 
All right, and I got five more minutes, dude, before I got to take off. So All right, I got some rapid fire for let's you. Let's do it. Then. So we talked uh, off camera about a couple of the guests you have coming on. We don't have to dive into that. Who is your dream guest on your show? I'm in the same boat. I love connecting people. I love getting people together. I don't know. I doubt my network can ever help you do that. But it will, but you never know. You never know. You so, never know. You never know. So who's a, who's a dream guest of yours that we can help get on the Coach HP show? There isn't anybody. It's just everybody. Yeah. Anybody that I can help, anybody that can do stuff, you know, uh, everybody eventually that I like. Look, you know, Gary Vee is. I love Gary Vee. Gary's a guy he's who I... your show, right? I was starting my content because... Here's another one, Dad. You think this is... You can't make this stuff up, man. I get Gary. I, I, I watch him. I watch a dude interview Tony Robbins. And I go, Tony Robbins is wearing a suit. Here's a dude dressed casually. He's interrupting Tony Robbins all the time. Tony Robbins is dealing with it. Who's this guy? I become obsessed with his content. I start doing content because of Gary. Gary's like, you got to document. You got to document. Okay, we got to document. So I start documenting. I start doing the stuff. I start working with, you know, Felix Fernandez's. Remember Felix Fernandez? Uh, King I'm... Felix for the Mariners. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. I start working with his son, ESPN. I, I train a kid that his dad's the VP of ESPN. He's like, dude, I, wanna, I want you to share what you're helping my son on a show. I have him on. I grab the book, crush it, kind of like to help it, see how I can get Gary's attention, whatever. I do the book, crush it, nothing. He doesn't even pay attention to it. He could care less, whatever, whatever. When I'm at the Gold Glove Awards, right before, there's a kid following me. And when he follows me, he goes, dude, I work for Vayner. I love what you're doing. I used to play soccer before, et cetera, et cetera. I would love to have you on my podcast. When I went and signed with... Uh, New Balance, that I went to New Balance, I go, I go fuck it, I'll, I'll do your show after. I went and did a show, and he goes, dude, you should connect with this guy. I connect with this guy, happens to be Little Lou, my man Little Lou Geno, and we started talking baseball. This was the Nationals versus the Astros, mm -hmm. right? Great series. And he was a huge uh, Astros guy, and we're like, oh, man, I think you guys can pull it off. You can pull off the Nationals. One, see how everything ties together, and we didn't know, and he comes, and after... He goes, I go, dude, can I help you in anything baseball? I say, like, my step, my brother, his stepbrother, my brother is huge into baseball. My dad is a huge baseball guy. And ironically, I'm half Dominican. He doesn't even look it, but his dad's Dominican. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, my God, let's go. So I help him out. We have dinner that day. And the dad goes to me after. I'm actually interviewing Ozzy Smith. And he oh. sends me this long text. And he goes, dude, I would love to have you come talk to these kids in uh, New Jersey, blah, 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 I go, done. And I went there, and I got my happy, positive self. I, I fell asleep at the Plaza Hotel at 3 in the morning. At 7 o'clock, I was taking the Hudson Ferry to to Jersey. We drove to where we took me. I took for three hours. I, I spoke there, and I helped kids for free. And at the end, Lou Geno Sr., big Lou, goes to me. Man, let me. T I can't repay you for what you've done, but let me tell you what I can do for you. I'm best friends with Gary Vaynerchuk. How crazy is that? I've known him since the wine days, since wine library, since before that. I'm in the wine business. I'm going to get you a meeting with Gary. And I go to him like this. I go, the only way I'm meeting with Gary, Big Lou, is if you come with me. So that was uh, a year after that, February of 2020. We went February 21st, the exact same day that I was on ESPN two years ago with the book, right? Can't make this stuff up. I'm there in his office, and at the end, Gary goes to me, 
me, he goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Me and you got to have dinner. And after that, COVID hit. What do you do? What do you do when COVID hits, the world stops? And the three biggest people that you have interviews with, stuff with, to maybe some, it all gets frozen. You create the most positive show on the internet called the Coach HP Show, and you keep attacking. Because when stuff gets rough, there's only one thing to do. You grab the knife, you put it in your mouth, you don't look to the left, you don't look to the right, you look straight, and you attack, bro. Love it. And that's what I did. One more question. Come on, last question. Coach, I know you're a big golfer. I'd love to know your dream course, and then round us out with any last-minute advice you have for the audience here. So dream course, so I've already played my dream course with a dream person. First person I ever played golf was a, a shout-out to my man Tyler Shook, man. Tyler Shook was a beast, dude. He's a guy who went in Arkansas, was a huge golfer. Because of his golf skills, he became boys with a guy by the name of Michael Jordan. And then Michael Jordan used to have the Shadow Creek uh, Invitational in Shadow Creek in Vegas. And the first time I ever played golf, I didn't actually play, but I was part of the foursome in the golf cart following them, was Michael Jordan and, uh, and Tyler. And right then and there, I, everything I could ever want was that. So Shadow Creek for me is the best. I, I play golf in my head every day. I don't... I don't go out a lot. I don't do a lot of stuff with it because I don't, but I just, I, I love golf and I love everything about it. The best advice I could give anybody is this. The two things you can control forever, forever, is your effort and your attitude. Okay? Effort and attitude. And try your best to control expectations. The only thing I could have done when I met Gary was I'm going to give him my best effort and attitude. Mistake I made is the minute I meet these people and they're so welcoming and they're so nice, I'm like, I hit, that's it. But I don't control that, right? So I believe that. Like I met with Erica and I met with Erica and she's like, look, I want to introduce you to Dave. And then nothing happens because nothing's supposed to happen because something huge is coming in the wind of this, right? And a lot of people, I think they feel discouraged because like, oh, Arjun is the guy, man. That's my guy. And the minute Arjun gets busy because he doesn't do it for me because it's not supposed to be that way, then I stop doing what got me hmm. to the dance, right? So if you keep doing what gets you to the dance at your own pace, you don't need to imitate anybody. You keep at your own pace, great things will happen that are supposed to happen, right? Does that make sense? I had a guy, I was I was on a big, excuse me, I was on a big podcast, uh, with guys that then blew up. They signed with Nelk after they did amazing. And one of the guys goes, dude, we could get you verified for uh, $10,500. Imagine a pay to get verified for $10,500. I was like, oh my God. You think about it, like, wow, I wasn't verified at the time, whatever. But then I reach out to a friend of mine who's an agent, baseball. player. dude, how do you get verified? Because yeah, you gotta have, uh, <laughs> you gotta have three uh, articles about you and for 50 bucks, this lady will do it. I go, it ain't guaranteed, but to do it. Boom, it happened. For 50 bucks, there you go. So slow down. Don't imitate yourself to anybody, you know. I wish there's great things of having a dad like this. Like I can sit there and record there. My dad would never do that, right? But there's benefits and there's uh, not so good benefits, you know. Yeah. What's his benefits? What's contradiction? What is, what is, what is an anti-benefit? Pros and cons. Pros and cons. There we go, man. Pros and cons, dude. So, Coach. 
at Coach HP on all social handles, man. If you see this out there, you're a fan of this dude, reach out. Any questions, any help I could be, I will let you know. I want to encourage you to keep going, dude. You have such good uh, things that that help to do what you do. You don't have an ego. You're you. You're very. Uh, you remind me a lot of a, a guy who had on my show. You know who Anthony Pompliano is, Pomp? I love Pomp. The yeah. Pomp man. You have a vibe of the Pomp man. You know of, of of that kind of thing. So, this guy's the limit, dude. I appreciate you, Coach. It was great to meet you, and uh, looking forward to many more. My man, let's oh, do it. Let's get it, guys. Hey, can I get one of you guys' point? That was cool. I got that. One last one. You guys point towards the camera. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.